everyone. Welcome to the Shell Games Podcast for the week of January 22nd. This is episode number 91, and Shell Games is your lighthouse look at the games of today and the ones still on the shelf. I'm your host, John, and joining me this week is my fantastic co-host, Sulo. Hey, how's it going? How are you going? How you doing? I'm, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so what's, what's been going on? How's, uh, how's life in, uh, in the cold Arctic tundra going for you, my friend? Weather's great here. I mean, there's barely any snow on the ground right now. I'm looking outside. Yeah, yeah it's like melting. It's like pause plus. What's the temperature right now? Oh, it's minus eight. It's minus eight right now, but it's definitely positive whatever plus yeah. whatever yesterday because I wasn't even wearing a winter jacket. I was just wearing a fashionable bomber jacket. <laughs> well, you can come out to the West Coast and we do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I know it's better there for sure, but the weather yeah. hasn't been terrible here, which has been nice. Uh, so the weather's been good, but how video games have been going for you lately? You, you've been since, since the weather's so nice. I imagine you haven't had time to play video games. You've been out enjoying the uh, what did you call it? Balmy weather. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't use that word, but yes. <laughs> so, so um, what, what have you been up to? What have you been playing? Because I know you, you're you're always uh, living that Switch life, playing Breath of the Wild. I haven't been playing many video games, but, you know, that does not mean I haven't been buying games. <laughs> That's what I do now. I buy games that I don't play. Right. I just picked up Civ 6. Right, right. Finally. Because uh, I know you felt... That was reasonable to me. Yeah, you fell, like, head over heels with uh, Civilization 5 uh, a couple years back. Civ 5 is a great game. Yeah. That's a great-ass game. So, you bought Civ 6, but you haven't started it yet? No. I haven't had time, but um, I picked up Civ Six in a humble bundle, so uh, I only paid twelve dollars. Oh, nice! As opposed to like the eighty they're charging on Steam. Mm-hmm. So, um, what else have you been playing? Because I know, uh, I think on the last episode you talked about picking up uh, a microphone in Assassin's Creed Origins bundle. Yeah, I haven't got back to that yet. No, no, you haven't sunk more time into it. No, I barely touched a video game recently. Last <laughs> week, <laughs> I'm not a qualified to be on this podcast. <laughs> Um, but, um, th- there have definitely, uh, been some, like we talked last week about some of the interesting announcements for Switch. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the more and more I hear about like some of the re-releases that are coming out for that, that console, I'm, I'm kind of more interested, but I'm also curious about whether I would actually get around to playing them. Like whether having the, the console that, that, you know, you can take with you or play it at home, whether that would even incentivize me, incentivize me to play that, those games because. Yeah. Uh, like when I'm out away from the house, I'm usually not in a position to play games. You know, it's rare that I'm not like driving someplace or, uh, have time between what I'm doing, you know, at school or, or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, so so I actually don't like, I like to romanticize the idea of having a switch and be like, oh yeah, I this would be great. I can play it on the go and stuff. But I think in all actuality, I probably wouldn't. Um, because you know, the few times that I get mobile games on my phone, and kind of fall into them pretty hard. I, you know, I, I've stopped doing that because I'm just like, oh, you just don't play this shit on your phone, John. So just don't even bother. I can't remember the last time I played a mobile game on my phone. Yeah. Uh, did I even pick up Monument Valley Two? I don't know. I don't remember. I did, and I really enjoyed it. I, I think I think I talked about that on the show. I might have played that, but I don't remember playing it, so maybe not. Yeah. Um, hmm. But yeah, outside of uh, romanticizing and, and, and fantasizing about the, about the Nintendo Switch, uh, <laughs> I've been playing uh, a little bit of Dota, a, a lot of Rainbow Six Siege. Those are sort of the two big games in my life right now. Yep. Um, 
I'm currently calibrating my seasonal ranked in Dota 2, and it is What does not, that mean? It, like, you basically have to play 10 ranked matches uh, for it to sort of say, hey, this is what your level is compared mm-hmm. to all the other players in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that sort of dictates who you get matched with in, um, in matches. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the longest time, I didn't do that because uh, I was just like, oh, I don't really care where I am. And, you know, I'm just kind of working on my own skill. And, but, but that was because uh, you could only calibrate once in Dota 2. And then you were yeah. kind of stuck there and you had to work your way up and down the ladder. Yeah. And when I did that the first time, the system they had in place felt like really punishing for people who play support. Um, and it basically didn't take into account a lot of the stuff that you do around the game. Like it didn't take into account, uh, you know, you setting up plays for other players. It was basically just like, how many kills did you get? How many assists did you, did you get? And that was kind of what dictated your placement. And so it like really tanked my, my, my rank. And I, I felt like really shitty after, but they've, they've changed it so that you actually now calibrate every season. And I, I'm not sure how long the seasons are, like if there's two a year or if there's three. Um, but, but I figured, oh, okay, so there's less onus on calibrating well the first time. So I can mm-hmm. just do it and kind of be done with it. Um, and I'm halfway through right now. I've done five matches out of ten. And I've won one and i've lost four <laughs> so it's not going great and i and nope. i don't have high hopes for for where i'm gonna land that's interesting that that kind of sucks but um it's it's whatever um also been playing a lot of rainbow six siege um you know i, I have a friend who is uh very you know has played a lot of that game and is very good and has been very highly ranked in that game so it's fun to play with him and his friends and uh sort of learn the game that way um because they point out very things that might are kind of obvious but like you don't necessarily think about them in the moment yeah um like hey don't stand here and don't watch that door because you're exposed from this other angle or you know don't use that that gadget in this way because it'll you know it's easy to spot and it's not going to catch the the attacker the way that you want it to um so it's really cool playing with them. Uh, I've got some other friends that that have been getting into it. Like Ted's been playing a little bit of it. Uh, our friend Megan has been as well. Uh, she and I actually played a ton yesterday, uh, and she's she's kind of at the same level as I am, where we're both kind of still learning the game. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I'm I'm still really enjoying Rainbow Six Siege. You're gonna freak out when you hear this because I almost have more time in Siege than I do The Witcher Three. What? Yeah, yeah. I've got like 96 hours in The Witcher or like 100 hours, and I've already got like 90 hours in Rainbow Six. I I knew you were playing Rainbow Six, but I didn't realize it was to that level. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's very quickly, Whoa. you know, becoming a, a, another obsession. I wish I knew how much time I had in The Witcher. It's hard. To, oh, yeah, you know, maybe I can check in-game. Because I got, I got The Witcher 3 from... Uh, GOG. Good old games, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I launch it through Steam so it doesn't really track the time yeah. I spend in it. But I think I can track the time in-game. But either way, I'm blown away that you spent more time, almost more time in Rainbow Siege. You're going to pass The Witcher 3 with I, I did Very soon. Very soon, yeah. And it's it's kind of sad. But you know what? That that, that game hmm. is, is, is 
I mean, we, we've talked, sung the praises of The Witcher 3. Do you have footage online of you putting playing Rainbow Six? I know you have, like, clips, but do you have, like, footage of a match or oh, something? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, you can go and check, like, my old Twitch archives and stuff. Like, I, I, I played... I played for like six hours yesterday. If you want to watch that, it's <laughs> <laughs> um, intense. But speaking of The Witcher Three, let's let's move on to the news of the week. Uh, for those that don't uh, don't realize what just happened, we just flipped the uh, the format of the show where we're, we're going to start talking about the games that we're playing, just to sort of warm up, and then we'll get into the news of the week, and we'll mm-hmm. see how that format works for us uh, in the weeks ahead. This guy always showing people behind the curtain. I know, but like, I just want people to be informed. You know, I, I don't want them to think like, "What the fuck are they doing?" This thing's off the rails. Yeah. Um, but uh, speaking of The Witcher Three, um, it looks like CD Projekt Red is teasing um, that we're going to see more of their upcoming game, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, uh, in the coming days. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently, their uh, Twitter account for Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Uh, which has been dormant for five years, um, sent out its first tweet since then. Um, and all it said was beep. Mm-hmm. Um, so of course everyone, uh, freaked out and it, there have been uh, a few leaks, uh, specifically from, uh, a Polish, uh, online news site, uh, GRY online, uh, which is saying that, uh, cyberpunk 2077 might be shown at E3. Um, so this is kind of exciting news if it is in fact going to happen. Um I think the development of Cyberpunk 2077 was probably delayed because of the success of The Witcher 3. Um yeah. But what what did you think about this news about, you know, you know, obviously this is all sort of speculation and hearsay. Um but what do you think about the possibility of seeing more of this game in um in the coming months? I'm excited. I mean, I love CD Projekt Red. They've done, like, like I said, I was shocked that you spent so much time in Rainbow Six Siege compared to The Witcher, mm-hmm. um, because The Witcher is an amazing game and the DLC that they have isn't, is amazing. So I have high, high, high expectations for Cyberpunk. So, uh, I'm excited. I, I don't even know what to expect. Mm-hmm. I think though it's, it's important to be cautious because, you know, setting the bar so high and going into it expecting excellence is is a surefire way, way to be disappointed, right? I suppose so, but this is not Platinum Games we're talking about. This is <laughs> Project <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, like, Naughty Dog, I expect, you know, high-fidelity games. And CD Project Red, if they come, like, if I expect, I also expect high-fidelity, lots of uh, variants in the game. Like, I want to see... I just want to see what they do. I, I, I'd be shocked if I hated this game. Mm-hmm. I'd legitimately be shocked. And, and to be fair, like CD Projekt does not make perfect games. They make very no. good games, but they're not yeah. perfect. Like I still remember uh, a lot of frustration that I had with the actual controls and some of the mechanical stuff in uh, The Witcher Two and The Witcher Three. That's true. Um, so I, I, I don't expect the, these to be like flawless works of art. I mean, nothing is quote perfect nothing is a masterpiece right mm-hmm. um but uh i i'm i'm really hoping that they can bring the same type of storytelling and world building that they did with the witcher to uh the world of cyberpunk 2077 um mm-hmm. which of course for those that don't know is based on uh the rpg cyberpunk 2020 uh which was like a pen and paper rpg mm-hmm. which i think would be really cool i i, I just hope that they can 
do for uh, the Witcher Witcher book series um, and that world, what they did for, or sorry, I hope that they can do for Cyberpunk 2020 and 2077, what they did for the Witcher and that book series and, and those worlds, because I think that'd be really cool to explore. Yeah. Again, I have high hopes. I'm not worried about this. I uh, I don't, as far as I can tell, I mean, they didn't do anything with their Twitter account for five years. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they're going to rush rush into yeah. something just because this is not Mass Effect. They're not going to rush yeah. into it just because they need to like make money. Because again, The Witcher was very successful. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm excited. Do you think they'll ever do another Witcher? Um, possibly. Uh, maybe. I, I, I imagine if they do, it won't be for quite, quite some time. Um, I'd be interested in them doing another Witcher and it not being Geralt. Like maybe it being mm-hmm. Siri or something. Yeah, I think that, that could be cool. Yeah. So last week we were talking about Tencent and some of the moves that they were making trying to bring very popular Chinese games over to other markets like North America and Europe. Um, but of course, people still see China as this untapped market. And okay. someone who's trying to get a piece of that pie is Lego. And Lego is going to be par- partnering with Tencent uh, to develop licensed uh, video games and other content for kids there. Mm-hmm. So they have some expected releases that are going to be coming out later this year. And uh, I'm just going to quote this piece from The Verge here where they say, uh, quote, the partnership will include the creation of a dedicated area for kids to watch Lego videos on Tencent's platform, as well as the development of Lego branded games. Um, The Danish toy toy maker will also publish and operate Lego Boost, a simple programmable and connected robotics kit released in June last year. So, yeah, so that's kind of interesting that um, Lego is going to be moving into China with with the help of Tencent, uh, you know, for videos, games um, and and toys. Can any video game move into China without Tencent's help? I don't think so. Yeah, I I think it's it's either Perfect World or Tencent. You got to get get it on board with one of those companies to to get in there. Um, So Lego has been struggling uh, in the last little while. They, They had their first big revenue drop. Uh, in September, and they had to cut uh, over a thousand jobs in the U.S. and Europe. Um, so it's interesting that they're like moving into China. Uh, so, so what did you think about this news? I don't have strong feelings about it. I was never really a Lego kid. Um, I didn't. Now that you mention it, I can't remember last time I saw a child playing with Lego. Mm-hmm. All the kids, all these kids, play with their iPads. Yeah. So it's all digital now. So. Minecraft is the new Lego. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think in the last 10, 15 years, Lego has tried to make this shift towards um, uh, mobile games and uh, online games because they know, like, hey, the physical game space is becoming harder and harder to be be profitable in. Um, So I'm very curious to see how this move is going to go for them. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, so some of those Lego games are actually pretty good. Like, like especially the um, I was about to say branded. That's not the right word. Like the uh, the stuff that they do for Marvel and DC. Oh, um, oh, what is it called? I know what you mean. Like licensed. I, that's licensed, the word I'm looking for. There you go. Licensed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so some so, some of those are a lot of fun. But I also found that they can be like really repetitive, and it's just kind of like the same game over and over. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so, so it'll be interesting to see if uh, Lego can. Um, boost its revenue uh, by moving it to China and, and what they have planned there. So speaking of China, um, we've talked in the past about some of the cheating uh, that has been going on in PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds and how that's causing a lot of issues uh, for that community. 
Um, but Tencent, again, with the help of uh, the Chinese authorities and Chinese police, have uh, moved to find and bust a lot of these underground rings that have been responsible for cheating bots. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the numbers here are kind of wild because the the police there have opened at least thirty cases and made more than a hundred and twenty arrests, uh, just because just from you know people that have been making these cheats and these cheat bots, and so basically they, they give you aimbots and wall hacks and that sort of thing. It's it's just kind of wild that uh, the Chinese authorities got involved with Tencent to, to crack down on this and they arrested that many people. It is wild. Cheating is annoying, but I did not realize it was super legal like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But but I'm sure there's a lot of money that that these people are making, and and uh, especially you know with the popularity of Battlegrounds, you know it has almost 30 million players worldwide, and 10 million of those are in China alone. Um, so it you know it makes sense that that cheating is probably becoming big business. Um, uh, they also note here uh, that uh, a lot of cheat makers will turn leaderboards into like an advertisement for themselves. Yeah. Uh, basically, just like put their contact information like in their in their username or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I think that's again just kind of wild that they crack down on that many people. Um, I, I'm just like picturing like SWAT teams busting into <laughs> <laughs> people's uh, you know homes and they have like all these computers like running wall hacks and stuff and. Um, so yeah, what, what did you think about this, uh, this crackdown in China? It surprised me. I didn't realize that was illegal. I mean, mm-hmm. it's definitely frustrating if you're playing the game and people are cheating and, but I didn't think, <laughs> I didn't think, I didn't think anyone was going to get arrested for that. Mm-hmm. I thought they'd get banned from the game or something, but <sighs> arrested. Goddamn. <laughs> That's yeah. so severe. It's just, it's just, it's just a game. Mm-hmm. But again, like you said, when you mentioned the money, I'm like, oh yeah, of course. When money gets involved, then the government's like, are we getting a cut of this? Because if not, they're going to jail. I see it's surprising, but I hope it, <laughs> I hope it helps because PUBG has been plagued with cheaters late as of late, which is really unfortunate. Yeah, um, I was actually hoping Ted would be around because he's kind of gotten really back into PUBG in the last uh, last few days. Yeah. Um. So m- next time he's on the show, we'll have to talk to him about that and see if he's still encountering cheaters or if it's kind of tapered off a little bit since they've they've decided to crack down on this. Mm -hmm. I find it amazing that there are more um, PUBG players in China than there are in the US. Mm -hmm. That China eclipsed the the US pretty quickly with that game in terms of number of players. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they they have the the population uh, on, on, on a lot of other parts of the world. So like, if something becomes popular there, it is very big. Mm-hmm. Speaking of cracking down, um, so a guy in Canada who uh, was accused of spamming Twitch with hateful messages and spam has been uh, or has had charges pressed against him. Um, so there, this was a, a filing by Twitch uh, in civil court, basically noting that this person was connected to chat surge. Um, so, uh, this was, uh, an IP address that they found, um, sort of just outside Vancouver. This person, Brandon Apple, um, has the charge of criminal mischief in relation to computer data, uh, being pressed against him. Um, and 
the uh, BC Supreme Court um, has forbid him from creating any robot bot crawler spider blacklisting software or other software uh, aimed at Twitch. Um, so the charge hasn't yet been proven in court. Um, but this is kind of an interesting story. Just like, again, you, you were talking about how you're surprised that like people could, could be arrested for creating cheat software. Yeah. Uh, but again, they're making a lot of money off of that. So it's also very interesting to see that this person who is sp- spamming a lot of popular ch- Twitch channels with hateful messages and, and just spam and, and whatever else, uh, has been brought up on charges, uh, here in the province of BC. Uh, so what did you think about that when you read that? This surprised me less. I mean, it still surprised me, but it surprised me less than the, uh, the PUBG cheaters thing because we do have laws in Canada against hate speech. And if you're just going around, like, saying hateful shit to people, <laughs> someone's going to come and talk to you about it. Yeah, yeah. So so as opposed to other parts of the world, or specifically the U.S., where people like to make the, the arguments about freedom of speech, but even yeah. the people that make that argument don't necessarily understand the laws in the U.S. because there yeah. are certain things that are protected and certain things that are not. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, specifically, like you mentioned, in Canada, we have rules against hate speech. Um, right. So, so this guy, uh, Brandon Apple, he flooded over 1,000 Twitch channels with over 150,000 messages. And again, it was just like really hateful stuff. Right. Um, so uh, I, I guess like it is, you know, if, if they were going to press charges anywhere uh, to have it done in Canada was probably the easiest place to do that. Um, yeah. But even then, I don't know what sort of penalty this guy is going to face, like whether it's a fine or, you know, it, it for, forbids him from basically doing this again. Um but I don't think he's going to face jail time and I don't necessarily know if he's going to be fined uh, substantially. Do we have any idea how old he is? None of the stuff that I'm looking at uh, tells us how old he is, but because we have his name, it probably means he's an adult. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Just some people's, some people's kids, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyway, so, so that was kind of an interesting thing to see that, that, you know, Twitch is, you know, the platforms like Twitch and YouTube can be critiqued sometimes about like them not taking a stance for harassment or like spam. Uh, it is interesting to see when they do make those moves, you know, they might just be mm-hmm. a little bit slow to do so. Mm-hmm. An interesting new competitor to Steam has cropped up in, in the last little while here. And this uh, is called Robot Cash. And the, one of the biggest complaints with Steam and the rise of sort of digital games and a lot of... Uh, physical copies kind of going away is the fact that you can't resell them um, or at least you can't do so easily uh, mm-hmm. or without facing any sort of penalties um, outside of like really shady key resellers like G2A. Um, so this, this new organization robot cash um, is a new platform from uh, uh, in exile CEO, Brian Fargo um, yeah. and Lee Jacobson, who used to work at Atari as an executive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are two ways that they want to have this platform stand out from something like Steam or Good Old Games or Humble. So the first big one is uh, resellable games and a built-in uh, mineable cryptocurrency <laughs> that they're calling <laughs> of iron because oh everyone needs a cryptocurrency now. Um, <sighs> so we should. You know, we, I'm not going to get into it right we now. Should, we should start a cryptocurrency, like a shop Absolutely. games cryptocurrency. <laughs> Shelved coins. Oh, geez. Um, so, so the way that they describe this is um, you'll be able to resell games uh, using uh, blockchain technology, which I still don't really understand. 
Uh, me which g- generates a record that cannot be changed and is used by many modern cryptocurrencies for record keeping. Uh, each sale will net you 25% of the proceeds with 70% going to developers and publishers. And um, you'll get, uh, or sorry, publishers. This is a big change from Steam because on Steam, uh, publishers and developers only get 70% of the cut of the game. So if I pay $10 for a game on Steam, the people who made that game only see $7 and Steam mm-hmm. gets 3 mm-hmm. So at least with this platform, with Robot Cash, they are saying that 95% of the sale will go to developers. Yeah. Um, and when you resell your games, you'll be paid in that cryptocurrency in Iron, which you can exchange, exchange for cash theoretically or just to buy more games. So they're still working on this. They're still finalizing a lot of things. Um, but what do you think about this uh, competitor to Steam sort of addressing this big issue that people have been talking about for a long time, not being able to resell games? I don't even understand the idea of reselling a digital games, a digital game because of the idea like reselling physical games. I get that because there's limited copies of physical games, but mm. digital games should be unlimited. Like, why would I even resell it? Like, why? What's the point of like, I don't understand. Like. I, if I play a digital game and I resell it, like, is it used? Like, what does that even mean? I don't even get that. I don't understand yeah, that. I guess because the thing with digital games, uh, as opposed to physical games, is you're not buying a product, you're buying a license, right? Right. Um, so I'm basically paying Steam and the developer uh, a fee so that I can have access to this game um, in, per- in per- perpetuity, I guess. Um, at this point with Steam, I always have access theoretically unless steam and valve go away tomorrow which is to a whole you know i'm gonna say unlikely but if it happens like all of a sudden i'm out my entire steam library yeah they'd have to get into some like serious legal trouble to get to go belly up yeah for sure um but but so right now it's just like i have access to all these games that i paid for or have gotten codes for and you know forever but like what if i don't want that anymore i guess like i by reselling or by uh, selling back the license to uh, a platform like Robot Cash, I would no longer have access to those. I understand that part of it. I just don't understand the I like. For me, I like there should be unlimited licenses. So I just don't understand what what the benefit is. I, I guess I guess it's the benefit is more on. Why would Steam or this robot cash rebuy a license? Right, right. Because I guess you're saying like, what what benefit does it give to robot cash? Yeah. Um, I guess the benefit obviously is on the consumer, sort of like, hey, you can still get a refund even if you've had this game for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'd be interested to hear more about their economy and, and like you said, like what's in it for robot cash? Like how are they, they're obviously making some profit off of the sales, 5%. Not a lot, but they're making some profit off of each sale. Uh-huh. And so what happens when when they they sell those games back? But I guess because they're they're not necessarily giving you cash, they're giving you a cryptocurrency, right? Yeah. That's true. Oh yeah, they're paying into cryptocurrency. Mm. Yeah, I forgot about the cryptocurrency. I, I and, and again I I feel like my knowledge about cryptocurrencies as they currently stand is kind of subpar and I wish I knew had a better understanding of of that market. I wish I'd bought I wish I'd purchased Bitcoin back when I first heard about it. It <laughs> yeah. was around twenty five dollars. Yeah. But uh 
But I would have sold it way before it got to the price it is. It mm. would have hit like a hundred dollars, and I'm like, sell, sell, sell. And then yeah. when I hit twenty thousand dollars, I'd be like, shit. <laughs> um, but but one thing that I've also heard is that with a lot of cryptocurrencies, it can be sometimes a little bit difficult to turn that into cash. Oh, for sure. Uh, just because of processing fees and 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 a whole other red, a whole other bunch of red tape. Um, so yeah, I, I'm. I'm hesitant about some a platform like this, uh, especially with just like how, you know, it seems like the, there's almost this like gold rush for, for cryptocurrencies, but it also totally kind of seems there's way too many of them already, but it also kind of seems like the time for them has passed. So, so I'm not sure if like one will sort of stand out as like the, the obvious dominant one, like Bitcoin or, and, and whether all these other sort of startups will go away or like, I'm really not sure what's going to happen in, in the coming days here. Yeah. I like it as a consumer. I love it because if I looked at my steam library right now, I could probably sell over half of the games and be okay with it. Mm-hmm. Cause like half of them I play half of them. I don't play. Actually, I don't even think I play half the games I have. Yeah, I mean, it's like nice to know that I can go back and play Bioshock, like the the entire Bioshock, Bioshock series, whenever yeah. I want. But am I going to do that? The Ooh. chances are pretty slim. I would have to. I don't even know. I would have to have. I have to be like hospitalized and have nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's maybe talk a little bit about VR because um, we've been chatting about that over the last few weeks as well. Sort yeah. of discussing, oh, what is the future of VR and where is it going? Uh, but there was an in- incident in uh, VR chat, that sort of popular application where, you know, the, we talked last week about how there's like some very problematic uh, memes and just like really racist shit that was happening in, in some of the, the communities there. And like, how do you moderate, uh, you know, these public rooms where people can talk to each other? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, something happened in uh, VR chat just this last week where there was an incident of uh, a player actually having a seizure in VR in one of these public rooms. Um, and what happened is the, you know, the, a lot of people that were standing around, they weren't sure if this person was just joking or kidding for a while. And eventually they kind of realized, oh no, this person actually is having a seizure. So they, yeah. they, they, they kind of stood by helplessly not knowing what to do, you know? Yeah. And, you know, eventually they, they kind of had people back up and, and you know, just give this person like virtual space, I guess. And they're trying to talk to them and trying to get them to respond. Um, so, the reason they were able to see this happen is because this person had like a full body tracking suit on. Yeah. Um, and they collapsed. Uh, you know, their breathing was really uh, labored. And thankfully, the person was okay. Um, but uh, it sounds like this person didn't really realize that they would have an episode like this. They had a seizure when they were like five. So that was a very long time ago, um, but um, so so you read this piece and you kind of looked at this, but it's just interesting that this notion of like now with VR we can be in a digital f- space with people, which feels very uh, uh, I don't want to say real, but it feels more um, immersive. Yeah. And, and, you know, y- you're actually sharing this space with people, but you can also like sometimes watch on helplessly if someone is in need. So, so what did you think about this, this whole, uh, you know, event, how people responded to it and like what that might mean for the future of VR and, and, and virtual spaces? It's interesting. Um, but like, I felt bad like you can't help. And also, <laughs> 
my first thought if I was there would probably have been like this person is playing like yeah for sure. it's full of trolls mm-hmm. and I honestly would not be surprised if this story gets traction and then you see more and more people pretending to have seizures and stuff mm-hmm. because people are such uh, I will say that most of the people from what I read in the article that most of the people seemed concerned that something was actually wrong and weren't just like mm-hmm. kicking a digital dead body or whatever or not yeah. a dead body but like a a Caesar in body. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. Like, I don't want, if I was in there and I was the person who was having a seizure, I'm sure I'd want someone to like help me. But at the same time, I don't want to give my personal information out on the internet for these people to be able to find me. Mm-hmm. That's scary. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's tricky. Um, so, so the people that uh, make VR chat, um, they, they commented on this, uh, Ron Miller, who is the, the chief creative officer uh, basically talked about the incident and said that, like, you know, if if we have moderators in the room, we can mm-hmm. like kick, you know, kick kick them out of the space, you know, so at least that they're they're not no longer being stimulated visually. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that that seems like, you know, yeah, that'll obviously help, but um, you, you know, that it's it's just it's, it's so wild to me, just just thinking like. Because there have definitely been instances where you see people streaming and they like have a heart attack and then like no one knows like oh shit like who do we call like do we do we like who like how do we get aid to this person yeah who is who is in need of it but we 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 can see them we can see them in, in this uh, whether it's on a stream or we can see them in this virtual space how do we help this person I think that's a a very uh, sort of troubling question and one that we haven't really figured out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm very curious to see if hardware developers or software developers are taking into account that type of thing sort of moving forward. It's tricky. It's so tricky. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they're going to solve that problem if they even solve it at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like like you said, like even having some sort of like uh, I don't know, like a panic button or something, or like a medical alert button on like a VR headset or um. You know something like that. I, I just you know, but again, I if you be have, comfortable with it, yeah, it could be yeah. helpful, but it's terrifying. Yeah, and, and again, like you know, if you've never had uh, an episode like this, that, that doesn't necessarily mean, or like you would never know. You would never know to, to even sort of plan for that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in in some more troubling news, um, there was a, a number of reports that came out of France uh, commenting on the work environment at Quantic Dream. Uh, so for those that don't know, Quantic Dream is David Cage's studio. And uh, they've done stuff like Heavy Rain, uh, Beyond Two Souls, and they're working on the upcoming Detroit Become Human. And people have, have uh, critiqued uh, Cage in the past. I think we've even talked about it on the show here about how some of his games you know they're they're interesting storytelling experiences but they don't necessarily always land sometimes they handle things poorly um but these reports coming out of France um paint a very bleak picture about what the studio experience is so uh, th- these reports um there's a really great story over at Eurogamer uh, if you want to check it out um and uh, I'll just pull from there the, it basically accuses um uh, Quantic Dream of having a really unhealthy studio culture. Yeah. And it specifically talks about uh, David Ga- David Cage and uh, Guillaume de uh, Fondomier mm-hmm. as being accused of inappropriate behavior, overworking staff, and colluding in or 
turning a blind eye to uh, a quote schoolboy culture uh, involving sexist and racist jokes. Uh, those yeah. two obviously deny those allegations. Um, but uh, this is uh, the one thing they talk about is um, a cache of over 600 controversial photoshopped images dating back to 2013. Um, and um, uh, Le Monde in France reported on this and they say uh, the most shocking images present Quantic Dreams collaborators in sexual positions adorned with homophobic or sexist slurs or even made up to look like Nazis. Um, so a lot of these were apparently sent around in group emails, um, you know, Photoshopped images. Um, and these were kind of discovered by an IT manager um, who, who, you know, saw a couple of these and then started digging and find, finding a whole bunch of these. And yeah, just sort of like paints, paints this really bleak picture and, and very like dark picture of what the studio culture there is. Yeah. Uh, Cage is also accused of a lack of consideration for female colleagues and of making uh, dirty jokes, smutty remarks. Um, yeah, others have apparently witnessed homophobic or racist jokes. And one incident involved a, a burglary caught on CCTV. And after mm-hmm. watching it, Cage apparently said uh, to a Tunisian employee, uh, mm-hmm. is that a cousin of yours? So so what did you think about this huge report? Um, so there were, there were three different outlets in France that reported on this. Um, so what did you think about that, Jusilo? It's disappointing because these stories keep popping up. It seems I'm not trying to say that this is new because I'm sure a lot of this sexual uh, no, sexual harassment and poor behavior in companies has been going on for a long time. It's good that it's coming to light. And mm-hmm. it's, it's just disappointing to hear it all the time. It's like, where is the company where this shit is not happening? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So... I don't know the like I wasn't there, so I don't know the full story. Obviously, no one ever admits to this stuff. There was like, no, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. But I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical. People in power uh, tend to do shitty things. Power corrupts. Absolute yeah. power absolutely corrupts. Yeah, absolutely. And especially if you're working someplace where a lot this is a lot to fester. It's it's yeah. always like something small that leads to something bigger that leads to something bigger, and then it just kind of snowballs to the point where this type of thing is acceptable. And you know, like. I've definitely worked places where, where that type of attitude exists, where, you know, like you say, you start with those sort of small transgressions or those small jokes to the point where they, they get sort of out of control. Yeah. And, and I can definitely see like where this starts. It's just like, oh, let's Photoshop uh, a picture of our studio head uh, onto the body of a dictator because he's working us so hard. Ha ha That's funny. But then all of a sudden it gets to the point where you're, you know, like, like they, they note in this, this, uh, report you know where yeah. it's just very homophobic very racist and sexist and it kind of uh gets out of hand because no one uh you know puts their foot down mm-hmm. it's just unfortunately video games tends to be uh it's getting better but it has historically been um a boys club mm-hmm. and i do feel that that needs to change because shit is so toxic Ugh. Yeah. Even like online, it's just ridiculous how toxic people are to women in gaming and playing games. And I don't know. It's really, it's, it's such a bummer. Like if mm-hmm. I have a daughter in the future, that shit will make me so sad. Yeah. <sighs> um, Keep your penises to yourself, people. <laughs> no one wants to see them. <laughs> no. Um, so, so one of the things that Cage said in response to this, which is a kind of a shitty defense is, um, he says, uh, quote, uh, you want to talk about homophobia? 
I work yeah. with Ellen Page, who fights for LGBT rights. You want to talk yeah. about racism? I work with Jesse Williams, who fights uh-huh. for civil rights in the USA. Judge me by my work. Yeah. Which is kind of the the same as saying, like, I can't be racist. I know a black guy. Yeah. Um. So, kind of a really <laughs> shitty defense from his part. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I just, like, this kind of, like... The, the the times that people have critiqued some of Cage's work and some of his games and said like, "Hey, you mishandled this representation of this woman. You like really mishandled this this discussion of race here." Like, it makes me far. Like, I was already like really worried about Detroit becoming human. Now I'm just like, "Fuck, man, what is this game gonna be?" Like, I don't even know. Like, it it it, it kind of like so any any time that like th- that critique arises where it's just like, mm, "Yeah, they didn't really handle this 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 discussion of this social issue very well." Now mm-hmm. there's sort of like a background for why that may have happened. Yeah. Um, and that kind of leaves me very disappointed. It's disappointing. And David Cage's <laughs> comment, like you said, is really dumb. Like mm-hmm. I can't be I can't be homophobic. I worked with uh, LGBT characters, da 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 da. It's silly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a really shitty defense. Um mm-hmm. so let's maybe talk about some lighter news to sort of end the show. Um Jusilo, Nintendo had a, a mini direct uh, or a Nintendo direct last week and um, they announced Nintendo Labo, which is pretty out there. Can, can you tell me what the heck Nintendo Labo is? <laughs> um, basically, it is a cardboard box that Nintendo is going to charge you 60 to $70 for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. I mean, like, it is kind of cool, but again, Nintendo with their price points. I love Nintendo, but the price point of Nintendo products, especially their accessories, tends to be, like, way too high. Like, mm. if this stuff came out, and it's like, oh, it's 20-some-odd dollars. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. But it's so expensive. But but can you, can you tell me what, what Labo actually is? Well, you get cardboard. <laughs> at, a, <laughs> at an expensive price, you got to put it together yourself, like an Ikea, like Ikea furniture. And then yeah. it comes with little games that you can play that will apparently make the cardboard move or you can use, you can like make a little piano with you and put your switch into this flimsy piece of cardboard or right. you can make, it's like, oh, a robot backpack for $80. It's like a literally a cardboard box on your back <laughs> <laughs> that you put your switch into, which is like, that's sketchy. I don't know. Nintendo's hilarious and interesting. I do not think that this is going, I think they're going to sell quite a few of these, but I don't think this is going to be something that we're going to see a lot of in the future. Mm. Like, I'm not expecting, like, five generations of cardboard boxes. <laughs> it's definitely interesting because you, you you have all these, you know, cardboard things that you put together, you know, like a little yeah. house or like a piano or a fishing rod yeah. or, you know, all these little things. And then you kind of, like, slide the, the switches remotes into them or the screen itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you can check out the video. It's, it's, it's kind of an interesting proof of concept thing. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know... How, if this is going to take off, I feel like um, this is really cool for for kids. Um, like you know, I, I think it's a really interesting idea. Like there are things out there, sort of like this, where you know you're interacting with a physical mm-hmm. toy, but it's it's manipulating something on like a digital screen. So yeah, I mean, kids love fucking love cardboard. Like I I don't know, this might take off. <laughs> yeah. Kids do love cardboard and they'll play in the cardboard and not even have the switch. I think this would be interesting in, I don't know if this will ever take off in the way that I'm picturing, but 3D printing. Mm-hmm, mm. I think that kind of stuff would be cool with 3D printing, but I don't see that ha- being happening anytime soon. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. That's weird. I shouldn't talk shit about it until I actually try it, but I'm not that interested. Yeah. Uh, it seems I, like a gimmick. Kind of, but it also seems like a creative outlet as well for, for a lot of kids. Um, I don't know how much freedom you're going to have in the things that you build. And again, like yeah. I think the, the price for some of the cardboard kits is might be a barrier to entry. Uh-huh. Um, speaking of price, Nintendo is charging 69 US dollars for this and it's coming out on 420. So <laughs> I read that article, the number of times they mentioned 420, I'm like, stop it. Just stop. It. <laughs> <laughs> they just kept on telling me like, oh, it's a great date on 420, on 420, 420, <laughs> 4 slash 20. Yeah. It's like, okay, okay, okay. Enough. I think this is kind of interesting. I, I imagine there are a lot of people who do like educational toys that are probably eyeing this very closely um, and seeing if it takes off. Mm-hmm. I'd be worried if I was a parent and I was like giving my kid the switch and just like, yeah, just throw this in that dumb cardboard toy and, you know, please don't wreck it. Um, I imagine there, there are going to be a lot of damaged screens and, and controllers as a result yeah. of Nintendo Labo. Yep. Because again, this is just cardboard. It's not like if you put it together poorly, it will fall apart. Yeah, yeah. Um, but some some of the uh, the stuff with Labo looks interesting. Like they've got like like moving parts and like 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 uh, gears and cogs that you put together with like some sort of I don't know if it's like string or elastics or something. Um, but it definitely looks like an interesting mm-hmm. experiment. And and to like give Nintendo credit, they always do. Uh, they they take chances and they and they 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 do interesting things by trying to explore the space around video games and sort of uh experiment what what with what the definition of like play is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts on, on Nintendo and and doing Labo? I'm sure they're going to make a lot of money because cardboard does not cost eighty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, very true, very true. I mean, in fairness, it does come with a game. But mm. still. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think that's going to be it for news. Um, so let's maybe move into some recommendations outside of games. Um, what did you want to recommend to the uh, to the folks at home? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, Black Mirror Season 4 is out. Check that mm-hmm. out. Black Mirror is mm-hmm. kind of interesting. It's uh, Every episode is, or more accurately, none of the episodes are connected. So technically, you do not have to watch them in order. Because they're all standalone episodes, and um, yeah, I like Black Mirror. I mean, it's nice. very. It gives me a lot of anxiety watching it. Of course, yeah. But uh, I, I always find afterwards it leaves me thinking about it. I always tend to think about Black Mirror episodes long after I've watched them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched the the first episode last night of season four, or just like of season. Uh, no, one? no, of of season four with the USS Callister or whatever. Uh huh. Um, that was really cool. I liked it because it was definitely like a sort of a a spin on uh, Star Trek, which was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, I, I can almost never watch more than one episode of Black Mirror in an evening because it's oh, just yeah. like so unsettling. It is. I I don't even think I could watch more than one in a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just so, so much anxiety. I feel so much anxiety when I'm watching it because you just know this isn't going to go well. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the thing is at the end of an episode, they're not scary. So you're at the end, you're not like traumatized, but you're just... You're just like, that didn't end well. But, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Black Mirror. There's, there's almost never a happy uh, episode of Black Mirror. The only one that I can think of is uh, San Junipero. Yeah, that one. Uh, 
yeah, so I actually really love that episode. So if you, if you need a lighter episode of Black Mirror, check that one out. Mm-hmm. Cool. I think uh, my recommendation this week is to check out my new video game column. The the people that I work for at the student newspaper. Nobody room. could see, but John, John threw up gang signs. Did I? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the, the the student paper that I work at was was silly enough to give me uh, a column about video games. Uh, so I wrote my first piece there. I'll maybe I'll link it in the show notes. Um, so I'm going to be doing that every two weeks and just talking about what's going on in games and and mm-hmm. writing about stuff that I want to do. Um, I'll I'll try and stream the writing uh, process. Uh, on uh, Twitch, but um, I, I know that's probably boring for some people. But if you're interested, you can you can see the process of me trying to bang out uh, 500 to 600 words, um, mm-hmm. or you can just wait and read the entire article when it's all done. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll post a link to that, uh, but you can check it out there. Um, but yeah, I think that's it for this week. Um, and if you want to discuss the show with us, uh, you should probably jump into the uh, the podcast discussion channel over at the Shelve Games Discord. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll link that in the channel notes as or in the uh, show notes as well. And you can always send us emails, shelfgames at gmail.com and find the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, uh, shelfgames.com slash podcast or on iTunes, Google Play. Uh, please go to iTunes and tell all your friends to go to iTunes and leave us a review on the Shelf Games podcast. That really helps us out. Mm-hmm. And uh, follow us on Twitter at Shelf Games. I'm at John underscore tab. And you can also find us on Facebook and YouTube and Twitch. Just uh, look for Shelf Games. And music for the show is by Zed Ion, who you can find on SoundCloud. And yeah, I think that's it. Uh, Chisulo, thanks for hanging out with me today. I know you're busy. Hey, no problem. And uh, you need to play some more video games, my friend. You're slacking. I know. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I actually do want to know if Assassin's Creed Origins is, is worth checking out and worth picking up. Yeah. It's, I've heard good things about it, which is why I'm probably, I'm going to get back to it. But currently I just, nothing for me right now. But yep. again, super early in the game, still don't mm-hmm. even have the, the double blades or right. the blade wrist, wrist blades or whatever, mm-hmm. which is essential to an Assassin's Creed game. <laughs> it's Definitely. not an Assassin's Creed game if you don't have wrist blades. Yeah. And if you can't pop them out and back in at, on command whenever you want, it needs to be a dedicated button for that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's going to be it for us this week, folks. Um, And hopefully we will see you again uh, next week. So until then, you know what to do. Go and grab a game off the shelf because you never know what you're going to find. Did you watch any of that Devil Man Cry Baby thing? I watched a few episodes and I just gave up on it. Not good. I don't get I, like I could I couldn't get what they're trying to do with it. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it's just like straight up like I just didn't like the way they were treating. It. Like I don't even know if I would call it like Liz called it hypersexual, and I'm like, no, this is just straight up sex. They're just like straight up showing sex. They're not showing right. genitalia, but this is like soft core porn. That's interesting. Yeah, there's just like straight up like early, early, early in like episode one, there's like a scene where they go to like a club and like most of the people there are naked and like fucking like, straight <laughs> up, like straight up fucking. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? That's yeah. an in- interesting way to start your show.
there's there's so much sex in that show, and I just and it's because I watch most of my stuff on the bus. I like after like a few episodes, I'm like, I can't fucking watch this. People are like looking at my phone, <laughs> thinking I'm like some sort of like pervert, yeah. like watching hentai or some shit. <laughs> I'm like, no, like, no, 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 this is Netflix. This is this is Netflix original. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is this is just anime on Netflix. Don't worry about it. 